Hello and welcome to the Eastman's Predator Pros podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Nimnick, and we are back for more wolf stories. Mr. Kyler Knelson's back with Wingmaster Outfitters. If you've been uh, a fan of the podcast, you'd have listened to the, the first time he was on. And I'll tell you what, I couldn't get enough of that. I've been trying to get him on ever since, but he is a busy man uh, with all the, the different hunts that he does. You know, these wolf hunts take up a big chunk of his winter months but he does a lot of other things too you know but uh but no he's back and i'm excited I, he had a record season this this past winter so i'm excited to hear some stories uh especially about these arctic wolf hunts on snowmobiles so we'll get him on here shortly but before we get going I want to thank you guys for listening and making this number one predator hunting podcast out there um you know we're pushing here into the the month of august um you know i i've been getting lots of comments and lots of requests for coyote craze college class dates on my website um, those are going to be coming out next week so um, if you are listening to this podcast jump on the the website which is coyotecraze.com um, and you can subscribe to the newsletter on there then you'll get a notification as soon as i release those dates they're all first come first serve look like we're going to have about 24 spots available uh, for this upcoming winter so they shouldn't last long so if you're interested to jump onto that check that out you can also hit me up on my instagram page which is just at jeff nimnick and that's g-e-o-f-f -F, um if you got any questions there but uh, uh before we get going to this i want to thank the sponsors for this episode which i got a new one juniper mountain coffee you may have heard me mention them uh in a couple previous podcasts they jumped on board here um across the entire eastman line of podcasts and everything that eastman does so it's great having somebody new on um, you know, I'm not going to lie to you, man. I, I'm not a coffee drinker. I have not tried their stuff yet. So I'd be lying to you if I told you how great it was. Um, I heard Brian Barney talking about it on his Eastman's elevated podcast. You know, he's a coffee drinker and stuff like that. But, you know, like I always say, they, you know, if they're willing to sponsor a predator hunting podcast, which they are, that tells me a lot about that company right there. You know, predator hunting is, is something that's on the edge. A lot of companies, shy away from it because they don't want that, you know, negative publicity that, you know, some of the anti hunters will push out there. So, but you know, these guys don't care, man, I'm going to read you, you know, I was on their website, kind of checking it out, kind of see what they're all about. And, uh, you know, I came across kind of their mission statement, what they're all about. And I just wanted to read that to you guys to kind of familiarize you with that. Um, you know, then, then maybe if you're in the, the market for some coffee, you know, you want to take your hard earned dollar over there, you know, great, you know, check them out. But, Here's their mission statement. Juniper Mountain Trading Post was founded by hunters, ranchers, farmers, and some of the foremost coffee experts in the world. Crafting the best coffee you can buy is the foundation of our company. But our mission is much deeper. Our mission is to stand with you against the decay of morals in our country, the corrosion of integrity, honor, and tradition. We don't compromise our coffee's quality and will never compromise our values. Coffee without compromise isn't just some nice words. It's an action, an action that is integral to everything we do and what we represent. When you buy from Juniper Mountain Trading Post, you can rest assured that your money supports American craftsmanship and manufacturing. Our values are simple. Operate with honesty, integrity, treat people right, and never cut corners. You know, I love that. So, like I said, I'm not a coffee guy. Um, you know, I got a little care package coming in the mail, but I don't know how I'm going to cook it because I don't even have a coffee pot, you know, or boil it or whatever you call that, you know. Um, but hey, I want to tell you guys, you know, I appreciate them supporting the podcast. If you are a coffee person, have never heard of them, maybe you have a little bit, check them out. You can go to their website, which is junipermountaincoffee.com, and you can see everything that they have to offer. Now, second sponsor of the website or this episode is Sig Optics. And uh, I'm kind of excited. I just got a little care package in the mail. You know, we're getting kind of 
well, we're getting kind of close. I'm, I'm still, uh, maybe two months out from killing coyotes, but I'm starting to get the itch, but this is the time of year where I usually get some new products and some new things that I'm going to be using this season and, uh, got a new pair of uh, rangefinder binoculars from SIG, the Kilo 10 Ks. Now, when I, when I told him I, I, I was looking at getting a new pair, you know, I kind of wore those, those, I think they were the three K Kilo three Ks. I think I had before, um, man, I had wore those out over the last couple of seasons. So was wanting something new. I told him, Hey, I'd really like a pair of those tan ones they got. And, uh, you know, guys at Eastman's sent me over one of these pairs and it's the 10 K. So it's probably going to be a little overkill for what I need for coyotes. But I mean, this thing supposedly hits, hits ranges out there four to five miles off of kind of reflective targets, but, uh, should be no problem, you know, pinging coyotes out there at five, six, 700 yards across the flat prairie, um, and getting an exact range on them. But, you know, these things are sweet. This, this whole setup came with a, uh, like a Kestrel wind thing that you can tie right into the it Bluetooth into the binocular. So it'll actually give you wind readings when you're using that BDX system that I've talked about before, that's, that's dialed into your scope and, and it reads back and forth through the Bluetooth with the, with the range finders, you can actually tie in this this uh this wind meter too and it'll actually give you wind holds on top of the elevation holds which is pretty crazy not probably not real practical for coyote hunting just because you're probably not going to have that much time to do that but you know if you are into long range shooting some big game stuff i think it's going to be pretty handy but i mean this thing came with a, a crazy cool bino harness um like i said it's got the bdx uh system into it and actually they call it hd glass so i'm curious to kind of get it i don't know if the the older Kilo 3Ks I had, um, had that HD glass. So, you know, I briefly opened my front door and kind of looked at them when I first got them. Um, and they're great, but I'm more excited about them being tan. I love the color, you know, so I'll keep you guys filled in over the, the course of the season. Once I start putting these things to the test and, uh, seeing really how they hold up. But, uh, you know, if you're, uh, maybe interested in some new glass, uh, swing on over to that, the SIG website, check out their full line of BDX scopes. You want to check out a pair of the Kilo rangefinder binoculars that they have. Uh, you can find all that on SigSauer.com. Well, Kyler, welcome back to the podcast, buddy. Well, thank you for having me back, Jeff. I know you're kind of running in circles, so I really appreciate you taking the time. Your uh, old yellow knife uh, is under a little fire evac, huh? Yeah, it's a little crazy up here. We got uh, we got forest fires burning in every direction out of town, and uh, and the wind's been pretty bad, so... Sounds like they're going to try and evacuate 20,000 people out of the city of Yellowknife by air because, uh, yeah, there's only one road in, one road out, and that one's closed at the moment. So they, they figure they might open it up tonight if uh, if we get a better wind direction. So uh, we'll see. A little wild times in the north. Yeah. How, how far is the fire outside of town right now? Uh, About six miles. So, man, that's not. Yeah. No, how far was it yeah. yesterday? uh about 20 oh jeez oh, <laughs> made some ground up yeah i made some ground up and Has so there's it... a fire just across the lake that uh burned up the town of enterprise and that fire moved 50 kilometers in a day which is uh shoot what is that like miles 20, yeah yeah 20 some miles and it burnt uh it burnt about 85 percent of the entire town like it's gone holy cow dang is Yellowknife laid out where if it hits, it'll be tough to keep it from not rolling through, or is it trees and stuff all mixed in through town? And it's not it's not too bad because uh, we're far enough north that the trees aren't super big, so like it's I don't think the fire is going to be like a big raging inferno like it is down south. 
Um, but it is hot enough. Um, yeah, if it does, if it does roll into the wrong parts of town, yeah, it's going to go wild. Um, Man, that's but, crazy. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens here overnight. I think it's going to be okay. Our wind direction just changed. So I think we should be fine. That's why, you know, down here in Nebraska and Colorado, I mean, the whole summer we've been dealing with smoke issues and they keep saying, you know, it's these Canadian fires. I mean, is that, I yeah, mean, sorry that, about that. That was us. Yeah. <laughs> <It's been> you <laughs> guys. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, the yeah. funny, you know, I coach baseball and, and, you know, we go down to Denver quite a bit to play. And I had heard a family had told me, yeah, they're going to cancel soccer tournaments because the smoke's just so bad. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of wussy soccer players. They ain't canceling a baseball tournament because there's smoke, you know. But they, uh, <laughs> the smoke's been so thick, you wouldn't even be able to see the baseball if you were trying to play baseball. <laughs> <laughs> is it just in it's, your part of Canada? I mean, are these fires just like all over Canada or just no, your province or Canada. what? And oh. and we're kind of the last part of Canada left with uh, with forest fires. Um, most of the rest of Canada has gotten some rain, so it's really helped. Like down uh, down in Alberta, where I live, which is, uh, I don't know, by air with my airplane, I'm two and a half hours south of here. But uh, driving, it's about a nine-hour drive uh, south of Yellowknife. And we had fires everywhere. And I was pretty nervous because there's one behind my house that was pretty big. But uh, we got four inches of rain over the course of a weekend. Oh, wow. And that pretty much killed a whole bunch of those fires. Dang. Um, nice. So they're, they're flaring back up. I lost uh, an Argo and a moose camp. Well, I, I think I, I lost one moose camp. I thought I'd lost four. But it um, looks like it's only one moose camp. But there's, there's still a few fires down there that are burning. But so you're up in Yellowknife getting ready for a muskox hunt? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I finished my north camp. So uh, I've got a camp up in Nunavut, uh, north or uh, Nunavut territory on a lake called Contoido Lake. And uh, I just did three weeks of muskox hunting up there, wrapped that up. And uh, I've got another camp in uh, Unit U of the Northwest Territories, which is about 260 miles east of Yellowknife. And um, I just got word that the first group of hunters tagged out today. Oh, um, nice. So yeah, no, that, that's real good. Yeah, yeah. and we killed a wolf there too. So oh, really? That's, uh, wolf no, number one for the year. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I was watching your Instagram page, you know, and I saw these muskox, and I was just I was kind of baffled that, you know, it just it seemed way early for I'm not really a big game guy, but just kind of understanding how it works, I'm like, man, you, you know, those hunts were like in July, those first ones you were doing, weren't they? I did. Uh, is that yeah. is that like standard I, I, for muskox no, having it that no, early, or is that like a special season, or what? No, it's not. So, so you, Nunavut territory is a little bit unique. They removed uh, all big game hunting seasons, and not very many people know that. So, all big game seasons are open year round, and they're up to the discretion of the the outfitter oh, wow. as to what time of the year they want to hunt, which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it uh, whatever it it kind of makes sense because. You don't want to be hunting a caribou in in June, yeah, right? Because the antlers aren't there. But well, for muskox, never lose their horns, do they? No, they don't. Yeah. And uh, and so to hunt them in July was was kind of nice because it was it was pre rut, um, so they're they're still with the uh, with the big herds or their whatever bachelor groups of bulls kicking around, and the weather's super nice and warm, so you're comfortable, um, and the meat tastes a lot better uh, pre rut. So once those muskox get into the rut, the meat isn't very good. And uh, so I figured, oh, we'll try something different and hunt early. But the bugs, my goodness. <laughs> are those, musk are those muskox as dumb as they look? I mean, is it just because they have no fear of anything because they really don't have pre I mean, I've just, yeah. the little well, video they're... clips I've ever seen of a muskox hunt, it's like, 
walking out to some pasture and shooting a guy's cow. Is that is uh, that even close to how it is or not? It's it's not quite like that, but it <laughs> sometimes it is. When you get a muskox bull in the rut, he is not scared of anything, and uh, and so their their natural defense is to to turn and fight whatever's coming at them. So they don't run when they're in the rut and you get the wind right. They're not going anywhere. And uh, we, <laughs> I'll send you a cool picture once we get off the podcast. Uh, one of my guides, Norman Peterson, he, he, he works for me year round. Yeah, Norman. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He had, he had an archery hunter and this muskox basically stepped on him or came right at him. <laughs> and uh, finally at two yards, the bull turned and uh, they ended up not even killing it because it just kind of took off. But it's made for a pretty cool picture. <laughs> so that wolf, you said this last camp, just they killed a wolf. Was that just kind of like roaming around and saw this wolf yeah. strolling out there and, and whacked it? Yeah, there's wolves yeah. that hang out with these muskox too. I mean, once the caribou start rolling through, there's going to be a lot more wolves. But uh, right now, there's just the odd wolf here and there um, hanging out among these muskox. Yeah, if it yeah. gets loud right now, like I don't know if you can hear that on the podcast. I got these bombers there. You got the big air tankers about, going over. Yeah, big air tankers <laughs> about 200 feet above me are roaring around right now. These fires are. So, uh, but yeah, so that was our first wolf of the year. So that kind of kicks things off. Heck, trying to beat, trying to beat 82. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in a second because I, you know, I, I had a chance to run into you there at the the expo there in Salt Lake, and you were kind of right finishing up your your normal kind of wolf season, getting ready for the Arctic snowmobile stuff which i want to talk about again <laughs> um but yeah so real quick i was i was curious about these fires is that any of the any of the areas where you have your your main wolf hunting areas is it the fires roll through a lot of that area or not gonna no. make much of a difference thankfully no no it's not gonna make much of a difference um so it's kind of missed down in alberta especially it's missed all the areas that i wolf hunt uh thankfully um, so it's not going to make a difference down there. And then up north, when we do our Arctic wolf hunts, we're kind of past the tree line anyway. So, I mean, if there's a tundra fire or whatever, it doesn't, it's, it's kind of irrelevant. Um, but no, there hasn't been any big fires. So the caribou are still going to come through um, in their usual areas. And so, yeah, it won't affect my wolf Perfect. hunts at all. Heck yeah. yeah. So, so to your season was, you said 82? 82. We finished the year with 82 wolves. Was that a record? That had to have been a record, wasn't it? That's a record for me. Yeah. yeah that's, my pre- that's crazy. My, it is. My previous year. Oh, what was it, Jeff? I, I think the year prior was my previous best year. And I think it was at like 54 or something or 64, 54 or 64. It was a good year. Like that's a lot yeah. of wolves. But then this last year I booked more hunters than I've ever had. And I, I told my wife, I said, I'm going to try and kill 60 wolves this year right because my record was 54 and i said yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna try and kill 60 and then uh we started rolling and rolling we're killing wolves and killing wolves I said vanessa i think we're gonna i think we're gonna make it <laughs> and, then, and then we go up north and we just absolutely hammer the wolves <laughs> and uh yeah it was awesome would would you say that's because like you said you brought in more hunters you had more guys sitting in stand for more hours than normal I mean, are, obviously, you're probably getting it just like anything. The more you're doing it, you're getting it just a little more dialed in every year, right? I mean, yeah. is it just a little combination of everything probably that wolf numbers up? I mean, what do, you, what do you think? For sure, all of it. I hired another guy uh, full-time, and uh, so just an extra helping hand just to make 
things run a little bit better, a little bit more efficiently and, and tying up all the loose ends and, and doing things properly every single time just uh, generates more wolf kills at the end of the day. So that helped. And then, so my Alberta season was pretty similar to the year prior. And then I took like, like the, uh, the year previous to this one, I took, um, Mm, how many hundred i think i took 12 arctic wolf hunters and this year i took this past spring i took 20 so it's a pretty good pretty <laughs> oh, good yeah. increase yeah <laughs> you know when we we did the podcast prior to this i don't know if i ever asked you this i was i was curious to know your first ever wolf guiding story like how, how did that go about how did, i mean was that something where you said you know what i'm just gonna try i'm gonna throw this out there to somebody to see if they want to want to book it and we're gonna give it a shot how did did that all go down i'm just curious (laughs) well it started off i was deer hunting and i was deer hunting close to my place um the property that i that i bought um back in 2011 but it was like 2008 or 2009 and we'd had a bad year of of winter wolf kill or of uh of deer uh a deer kill winter kill and, and the wolves were just hammering the deer the snow was so deep and i got really mad at these wolves and I thought, you know, I, I, I got to do something here. And, um, uh, so I called up a couple of guys that I knew. I said, Hey, you know what? You guys want to do a wolf hunt with me? And they said, Oh no, not really. I, I don't really feel like wolf hunting. <laughs> I said, Oh, fair enough. And so that year I set out a couple of baits and I killed, uh, I think four or five wolves that winter, just myself and my dad and a couple of buddies. And we saw wolves just about every time we went out. And it was complete fluke that we saw that many wolves thinking back uh, to that winter. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I called these guys back and said, look, we've, we're killing all these wolves. You guys want to do this with me next year? He said, yeah, actually, that looks pretty cool. Let's do it. And so I set out like four or five baits. I only had these two guys coming. Um, John Cadavy and Sean Pinon, two fantastic human beings and so shout out to them if they're listening and uh so before they showed up i went and sat on one of the wolf blinds and uh, i just brought my camera along well sure enough a wolf comes in within 15 minutes of me getting in this blind i take some pictures of it and uh and the wolf leaves and i walk back to my snowmobile snowmobile back to the house call the guys i said guys this is a slam dunk 100 percent guaranteed you're gonna kill a wolf Hundred percent guaranteed. Hundred <laughs> percent guaranteed. In my ignorance. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and these guys show up, and we killed zero oh, wolves that week. None. <laughs> we did not see a wolf. We did not hear a wolf that week. And I'm beside myself. I'm thinking, what in the world just happened here? Well, I come to realize that wolf hunting is a lot tougher than uh, than I thought it was. <laughs> and so. The next year, I, I put out a whole pile of baits, and the guys were real good. And they, they said, oh, yeah, we'll come back. We'll do this again with you. And uh, and they came back, and they killed five wolves between the two of them the following oh. year. And then I was hooked. And yeah, I figured, yeah. well, I've got to figure these things out. And, uh, yeah, it's just kind of spiraled out of control from there, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> how, how far out do you stay booked now with, with all your wolf stuff? Yeah, I'm... I got like a few spots left for like 2025 and, uh, and that's about it. It's, it's crazy. I, you know, Jeff, I, I got in kind of before 
I was wolf hunting before wolf hunting was kind of cool and yeah. where everybody was doing it. And um, I don't know, just had a good, good string of luck and, and probably put in more effort than most people did. And so I had a good success rate and I've been able to maintain a good success rate over all these years. And now, I mean, I'm charging more money for these dang wolf hunts than, than pretty much anybody else is. And yeah. quality, uh, man. And sold out. Yeah. I'm sure it's like, you know, down here, well, anywhere, you know, you, there's guys that go on guided coyote hunts, right? And yeah. there's a lot of outfitters that offer it, but it's more of an afterthought, right? Like, oh, we got this stuff. Let's just send one of our guides. Yeah, he kills a few coyotes here and there. He'll take these guys around and maybe they'll kill a couple coyotes, right? But there's very few coyote outfitters that are like legit coyote killers, right? right? I'm sure the wolf deals the same way, right? I mean, they're sure there's all kinds of outfitters that think they got the spots and let's just, hey, we'll bring a guy up and maybe he might kill one. But probably just yeah. specifically do it the way you do there's probably not many yeah there's there's not it just takes a lot of effort and and the really at the end of the day it's not that hard um i mean especially you're throwing baits out there if you find a good area where there's a good population of wolves and you're putting out a pile of bait and uh and you do it right it's really not that hard but it's just a lot of work yeah and it's yeah. messy work it's uh it's stinky work uh, <laughs> And and not everybody wants to do that or put put the work in. So there's there's some outfitters that'll pop up for a few years and and run a few hunts and then all of a sudden they're gone, they disappear and they don't do it because they're because the success rate sucks and it's it's tough. It's tough watching a hunter go home without a wolf. Because when you're wolf hunting, there there will be some guys that'll go home without a wolf. Yeah, of and course. As an out, as an outfitter, you want everybody to kill something, right? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, so so it makes it a little bit tough. But there's there's a few really good wolf outfitter besides me i know byron wolf uh wolf hunting adventures he does a good job uh he's up near me and and yeah, there's a few others but did you keep track of how many uh, roadkill moose you went through you know Throughout our the moose population went down i i used to uh <laughs> i used to pick season but now it's uh it's down to probably a half a dozen dead ones a year, which is not that many. But I I went through about a hundred thousand pounds of bait last winter. So if you only had like a half dozen moose, what was most of that bait then? Oh, I pick up from every butcher uh butcher oh, gotcha. in the area. Yeah, I'm picking up from farmers. I'm on 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 public land. I got to be careful with what I use to bait. I'm not allowed to dump uh, domestic animals or anything oh, like gotcha. that. Yeah, makes sense. So I'll, so I'll probably like two thirds of my baits are all on, on private land and uh, I can use pretty much whatever I want on private land. So I'm using dead horses and cattle and um, donkeys and (laughs) whatever I can find (laughs) dead chickens. uh, But all the butcher scraps uh, from there's like two, three butcher shops in the area and they produce quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of scraps. And so I pick up all the guts and the hides and all the bones and trimmings and all that stuff. That's great. You know, the first podcast we did, that was one of the one things that stuck with me about just the amount of effort that goes into the baiting. I mean, out of out of the whole wolf hunting experience, what percentage of effort is just that? Collecting up oh, the baits, getting it put out. I mean, is that like 90% of the effort? 90% of it. Yeah. It's 90% of it. It's 90% of it. Picking good locations and uh, just being in an area where there is lots of wolves, that's the other 10%. But if you can get enough bait into an area consistently, you are gonna kill wolves. It's it's pretty simple, really. It's you know down here we have feedlots and and it's it's like 
we do similar stuff. You know, guys do it with coyotes, right? Like the feedlots will have the dead pit place where they throw stuff and you guys will bait in, you know, coyotes and shoot them, especially at night, you know, using thermal when the coyotes yes. come in, you know, so it's, it's kind of cool. It's, uh, I always look at the parallels, right. In, in the predator world, you know, like what you're doing is, is, is a similar technique that probably guys use for coyotes and maybe a few other predators, you know, baiting bears or whatever it may be, you know, it's just, it's always unique to me, just the different, just the little nuances in it, you know, that are a little bit different just to, to relate to that particular predator, you know? Absolutely. So tell me this, when you're coyote, calling coyotes around these dead pits, do you find that you have to use like a different sequence of calls or uh, the coyotes respond differently around the dead pits than they do in an area where there's, there's no bait per se? Well, you know, what I've, what I've found about these dead pits is it, is it always amazes me how far the coyotes travel off of them, right? Like you'll have a few coyotes that'll stay right there around the dead pit most of the time. And a lot of times they're, they're usually like a mangy kind of nasty looking coyote just because there's more coyotes bunched into there. So they spread that mange around a little quicker. Right. But, but you know, some of these coyotes will, will try, I think they travel four five, six, eight miles, you know, at a shot. So they'll come into the dead pit at night, eat a little bit. They might hang around a little bit. As soon as the, the light starts coming up in the horizon, I think they take off, you know, and I think a lot of it depends on where the cover's at, right? Like, if they can go, um, you know, a mile and find some canyons or cuts or river bottom and stuff and lay up for the day, you know, and just kind of wait out the day where they, you know, before they can come back the next night to, to feed on these carcasses again, that's what they'll do. But, you yeah. know, so, so really the two techniques are, you know, you can go rolling into the dead pit guns a blazing, right? And just try to shoot what you can. <laughs> but but my, my thought on that was always like, well, you're going to spook off. You, if there's eight, ten coyotes run off this dead pit, you know, if you're lucky, you're going to get two or three, you know, and then you just kind of spooked off seven other coyotes. Well, kind of a calling technique, you know, I usually like to go back into those areas throughout the middle part of the day when all the coyotes kind of take off and lay up now, you know, then I'll pick apart that surrounding mile, two, three mile area. And those coyotes don't stay bunched up, you know, they'll scatter off, you know, lone coyotes will go lay up where they're, where they're going to lay up, even though they may all be bunched up on the dead pit. Um, you know, then you can make a, a plan to make a series of stands, you know, working through that area in the middle part of the day. Now you might be able to kill six or eight of those 10 coyotes instead of two or three, you know, and that's right. You know, and, and, and at nighttime, you know, I've, I've had some clients and we've, we've done some stuff where I've just posted somebody up on the dead pit for, you know, two hour shifts in the middle of January, not near what your temperatures are, but cold enough <laughs> where the coyotes are moving in and out all night long, you know, and we've killed you know, 17, 19 coyotes in one night, <laughs> just sitting a guy in a lawn chair, you know, 150 yards from the dead pit, just shooting coyotes as they come in and out all night, you know? So uh, that'd be a blast. <laughs> I, I wish, I wish Alberta would change the rules on that here. We, we can't shoot at night. And if we, if we could shoot at night. In yeah. Alberta, if you could use thermal, what would your, what would your wolf count be? Oh, hundred percent. Like we'd kill a pile, but you know, <laughs> but you know, I think, I think the wolves would get pretty wise to that real quick because right now, like I'll, I'll hunt some baits and I'll have a wolf that'll be on that bait every single night for like 10 nights in a row. And I'll have a hunter in stand for every day of those 10 days. And we won't even see him. We might see a glimpse of him here or there. He might pop through, but we haven't got a shot off. Yeah. So I think if we start, if we'd start popping rounds off at night, they'd probably learn the drill real quick and they, yeah, and they wouldn't yeah. be as consistently on the bait. So I, I don't know. Uh, numbers wise, yeah, we definitely kill way more wolves, but I think I'd have to run 
a lot more bait sites um just uh just so that i'd still consistently have wolves coming in on baits that makes sense how big of a difference do you think if you guys were allowed to use suppressors do you think do you, th- oh, do you think that would make big a huge difference, difference in, in what you're doing i do like whatever that's coming from a guy that has zero suppressor experience yeah but if we could run suppressors where we weren't just spooking big, off like, yeah yeah, yeah. Because a lot of the times, we'll sh- when a wolf comes in during the day, uh, it'll just be a loner wolf, but there'll be four or five wolves in the trees that aren't that isn't going to come out. And so, even though, like I've I've sat enough times where I've like, okay, I'm going to let this wolf come into this bait site. I'm going to let him feed. I'm going to see if there's like three or four or five more wolves that come out. Maybe I can get greedy and kill <laughs> kill yeah. a few extra. <laughs> but they but they don't, and I and I know they're back there. Because then I'll shoot that wolf after whatever watched him there for a while, and the woods, the bush behind him will just light up, and there'll be a whole bunch of wolves. Well, shoot! Now I've educated that whole pack. They know that old Billy went into the bait site and just got himself knocked, um, and then they don't come back for a while. It and sometimes that pack will come back within two or three days. Sometimes it'll take like two or three weeks before that pack shows back up on that bait site. So yeah, back to your question. I think suppressors would really change that yeah i think it would too i mean just i've been shooting them for i don't know almost 15 years now and and i've seen some coyotes you know do some weird things you know but man i mean there's a lot of times the the whack of the bullet is louder than the shot you know yeah which you know especially in your country i'm sure it's not you know it's pretty calm a lot of tree you know what i'm saying that shot's just echoing through there yeah i think that'd be crazy yeah, if you had suppressors and especially if it's a calm, clear day and it's forty below, yeah, that shot off, boy, it sounds like a atomic <laughs> ball. <laughs> Crazy, <laughs> yeah. So you you mentioned the the Arctic hunt on the snowmobiles, like it was a huge success. We talked about this last time quite a bit on the podcast, you know, and it's one of it's just. I don't know. It's one of those things. I just, as a coyote hunter, man, I, you know, I've chased coyotes and trucks and it kind of, similar stuff. Right. But then when oh, you yeah. started to tell me about this uh, uh, from a wolf aspect, I was crazy. So one thing I didn't talk to you about last time, like walk me through, not really like an hour by hour, but what does a, a day by day consist of on one of those Arctic wolf hunts where you're covering ground with those snowmobiles like walk me through like what would I experience if I came up on one of those starting first in the morning, boom, how long are we on snowmobile? You know, run me through what yeah. that experience would be like start to finish. Well, well, first of all, you do need to come up and do it because we'd have an absolute riot. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, basically we'll leave Yellowknife uh, on the first day of the hunt. We'll leave here pretty early and we'll try and get up the road and we can hunt basically about an hour, one like once we leave about an hour out of town we can start hunting and there's some wolves but there's not really good populations of wolves or or caribou for that number basically we're we're trying to find the big caribou herds is what we're doing um because the wolves are always going to be around it so there there's not really anything until the first like six hours up the road we start getting into good wolf country um and so there's there's a series of ice roads that go and it's, it's 12 hours to the far end of it uh, by truck and then there's a, a few different spur roads and stuff off of there and so generally we'll start the morning off unless we've we've found a really good fresh set of wolf tracks that we we it's too late we can't chase them that night then uh, we'll sit on them and then we'll we'll go in the morning but generally 
first thing in the morning, we'll get up, have a quick bite to eat. And at first light, we're, we're cruising the road by, by truck, trying to find either a good herd of caribou or a set of fresh set of wolf tracks that across the road during the night. Are you pulling the sleds on a trailer at this point? Yeah. 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 So So I've got a truck uh, rigged up. I've got a built like a custom built 30, I think it's a 34 foot trailer um, living quarters built in front of it. And it's completely like Arctic insulated with a spray foam insulation. It's, it's pretty sweet unit. And then uh, the snowmobiles are on the back of it. And uh, if we get a fresh set of wolf tracks uh, crossing the road, generally there'll be like two or three or four or a pack of them coming across. And we drop the gate and uh, jump on the snowmobiles and we won't let up off of that wolf track till either we run out of gas or we got the wolf killed or somebody's got a frozen foot or whatever. <laughs> so once again, back to know. our parallels, here we are like paralleling, like lion hunting, right? <laughs> like driving roads, like for tracks. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. And, and on, uh, and sometimes we'll find as we're chasing an old set of wolf tracks or whatever, and we're 15, 20 miles off the road. And all of a sudden we'll find, Oh boy, here's, we come over the hill and there's a thousand caribou. Like, oh boy, well, there's going to be some wolves around this herd of caribou. So we'll set up on a hill and glass for a little bit and try and see if we can see anything right off the hop. If we can't see anything, we'll just kind of make a big loop around that herd of caribou without trying to spook them and just trying to see if we can cut any wolf tracks anywhere around that herd. And if we can't, well, there's going to be wolves behind that herd following it uh, a fair ways back. It might be a mile back. It might be five miles back, might be 10 miles back, depending on, on when they made their last kill and, uh, and how far the caribou move overnight. And so we'll just kind of backtrack uh, backwards along those, those caribou tracks. So you can't, I mean, backtracking on a herd of a thousand caribou is pretty easy. And until we cut a fresh set of wolf tracks and away we go. What's and the, what's the daylight the, that, t- cause this is in like March, you said. Yeah, it's in March. So what's, it's fairly what's the long daylight, daylight that time of year. How many hours? It's, fair, it's fairly long. We get probably about 12 hours. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. From six to six, usually. So it's not. So bad. are there days where you jumped on the, I mean, can you go, could you ride that sled for that long or you run out of gas finally for like a tw- 10, 12 hours? Oh, you could. Yeah. We just yeah. pull extra gas. Yeah. We just bring extra I gas. I mean, have you us. had days like that but where you cut tracks not, right not first very, light and it took you that very long? Often. Or not? Yeah. It, it, my longest one is probably about 10 hours. Um, which that felt like a long day and the wolves made a big, the wolves made a big loop, came back to the road and, uh, and we just, we were pretty much out of gas. So we scooted back to the, to the truck, pulled the truck up to where they'd crossed the road, refueled the snowmobiles and kept going for the next five hours. And we did catch up to them and, uh, and we lost most of them. We only, I think we only killed one out of that pack. I think we lost the rest on the rocks it was pretty, uh, pretty rocky, not a whole lot of snow that year. But we did, we did end up killing one, so it was worth it. Have you noticed how many years you've been doing this particular hunt? Uh, the Arctic Wolf Hunt. I think my first year was 2011. So it's have not you that no- long. have you noticed that, like the first year you did it, did it seem like the wolves were? I'm not going to say dumber, but did they? No. Or they? No. I mean, if they, right from the first year you've ever done it, they hear the snowmobile and they're shooting. Out oh of there, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I. You know what? I, I don't. I don't think it matters where a wolf or a coyote is born in this world when they hear this <laughs> when they hear the sound of a side-by-side or a snowmobile they know the drill yeah and, and they just run i think it's just just naturally born into them instinct <laughs> so yeah they hear a snowmobile and they are gone 
Yeah, I know sometimes coyotes, you know, doing that, they'll just kind of, you know, you're, you're a ways out and they just kind of start trotting, looking back over their shoulder. And then it's almost like they say, Oh damn, this thing's coming in hot. <laughs> you know, and then they kind of kick it into gear, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess you get the odd wolf that doesn't know the drill and he's like, oh, what is that? And he'll yeah. just kind of caught it off. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he's dead. <laughs> yeah. So what but, are the, and these so th- these last usually what are the three four days five days? Yeah, six days on six days six days of hunting, and I usually plan for about a day day and a half that we're gonna lose the bad weather. But generally, if we get a string of good weather, we should be done in like three days. In theory, um, I mean we we went a hundred percent this year. We killed forty four Arctic wolves with twenty hunters. Um, Last year or the year previous, we killed uh, 19 wolves with 12 hunters. Um, I had one guy that year didn't kill one, but that was just just strictly due to bad weather. We're blowing snow for the entire week, so yeah, he didn't kill one, but everybody else killed. So that's basically the only reason why you wouldn't kill a wolf. Now, now it all depends on the caribou. Like this last year, there were so many wolves because there were so many caribou. So what happened was is um, there's multiple herds of caribou in the Northwest Territory. So the Bathurst herd, the Beverly Hayak herd, and the Kamenariak herd, and the um, the Island caribou, they had all kind of, or the, the the Beverly herd, or not the Beverly herd, what's this, uh, what's the other one? It'll come to me. Dolphin Union, the Dolphin Union caribou. Uh, they kind of all clumped together. And there was thousands and thousands and thousands of caribou and there was wolves everywhere. And we, we were shooting wolves and shooting wolves and shooting wolves. And they just kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. Dude, it was it was epic. It was so much fun. And, and we did this. We killed 44 wolves in just over a month. That's wild. So the, the picture that we're using for this, oh, the, the post on Spotify and stuff like that, has the hunters with four wolves laid in the snowbank. Is that is that one of these? That was, that was a good day. Yeah, yeah. Tell me that about was that a, day. That was a really good day. So um, Darren Brathall and Blake Hermel are a couple of guys from North Dakota. They flew in, and they're good coyote hunters from back home, and so they they love this stuff too, right? And uh, and I'm we're driving up the road, and uh, we'd had a bit of a blowing snow the day before, which was perfect because we had a little bit of a, a little layer of track, good, really good tracking snow, and we're driving up. And, uh, and Darren goes, so, uh, so what do you do? What are we doing actually? Like, are we just kind of cutting tracks or why are you driving on the side of the road? And I said, I explained to him, yeah, I drive right on the edge to where there's some fresh snow that I can see tracks of their crossing the road. And those, those words had barely escaped my mouth. And wouldn't you know what? There's a, a pack of wolves across the road, right in front of us. I'm like, holy smoke right here. These are, I got out and I looked at the tracks I'm like, Guys, these tracks are fresh, like fresh, fresh. Let's go. So we got we got dressed. We were basically dressed, but we fired up snowmobiles, warmed them up, and we got going. And we're not a mile from the truck. We come over a hill, and it's pretty rocky in that country. So we had to basically we had to catch them out on the lakes, or we weren't going to catch them because there's way too many rocks. And uh, and with, there's a little island on this lake, and we we snowmobile up this this island, we kind of pick our way through the rocks, come over the top. And I'm grabbing my binoculars and I'm pulling my binoculars up and I didn't even have my binos up to my face yet. 
and I see out in the lake in front of us, like, I don't know, 1500 yards, there's a pack of five wolves out there. So I dropped the binos and said, guys, are you ready? This is going to get a little Western. <laughs> and we took off and I had uh, Blake Hermel with me and he's used to shooting stuff on the run. And we roll up on the first wolf and he's that beauty. He's a monster. And we drop him with the first shot, roll up on the second one. And uh, I think four or five shots later, we rolled him and uh, we go to help Darren and, and uh, Darcy was my, my other guy, Darcy. We, and uh and he he had missed he went through a couple of mags and hadn't hadn't touched hair yet and so they <laughs> lost him up in the up in the rocks and uh, so I, well, we just left those two dead wolves laying there i said well i marked them on my on my phone i said we'll go back and and pick those up let's get these other wolves killed and uh we kind of follow the, we're following these wolf tracks and they got on the rocks and we're picking our way through and slow going and we're busting skis and stuff and uh, get up on a hill. And I said, guys, let's just stop here. And let's glass. Let's see if we can find one or hear one. And, uh, and we glassed one up. And he was probably a mile and a half away at that point. And, uh, but it was pretty rough country. So I didn't really want to try and wreck a snowmobile going through there. And so I said, well, let's get a little closer and get up on that one hill. Because I, I think there's a wolf behind us too. And I said, if, if there's a wolf behind us and a wolf in front of us, they will start howling and they're going to meet up somewhere in the middle. And we had a pretty good run. Once we got on that hill, we had a pretty good run um, of snow, uh, like a, a clear area through the rocks where we could get down on the lake in a hurry. So we just sat up there and, and waited. And sure enough, all of a sudden the wolf starts howling uh, behind us. I'm like, yes, there's at least one wolf behind us. <laughs> and then the wolf howled on the other side. And I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. And they were talking to each other and then they shut up. And so I let off one howl and then boom, instantly the, the both of them fired up and they worked their way to the middle. And sure enough, they met up on this lake, uh, the exact lake, the exact spot where I'd wanted them to go. And they did. And it was just, it just worked out perfectly. And so we roared onto that <laughs> lake <laughs> and, uh, and then Darcy still had, had Darren on the back of the snowmobile and he was a little bit behind me and I, I roll up on the first wolf. And I cut it off and I, I'm circling it and, and I look back to see where, where the guys are. And he'd hit a big snow drift and absolutely yard sailed that snowmobile. There's parts <laughs> strewn out all over on the, on the, on the ice. And, uh, so I, I raced back and, and picked up his, his guy and, uh, we raced out there and we got both them wolves killed. And that was, uh, six hours into the first day and we were tagged out. Jeez. So you said, Matt, were they using that, that AR, that Canadian style AR that you showed me yeah. a picture of? Yeah. Yeah. Basically it, it's a Kodiak defense makes one. Um, uh, Black Creek labs, I think makes one there. There's a few, it's just not, it's basically an AR a Canadian legal version of AR. It just, it doesn't use AR interchangeable parts. Uh, so yeah, yeah. it's, yeah. And is that like a two twenty three five five six? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm yeah. shooting this I'm I'm shooting a seventy five green hollow point out of there. Yeah, um most of our shots are are I mean, obviously off the back of a snowmobile and, and they're pretty pretty close. I mean the first shot's gonna be at twenty yards and then the next one's at thirty, the next one's at forty, the next one's at fifty. Yeah. And I find those seventy five greens, they just thump them way harder than those fifty eights or fifty five greens do. Yeah, yeah. That would make sense with that little bit bigger wolf body of wolf. Yeah. 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 But so, so one, sh some of those time, one shot 
it's like you said that one first wolf of the four it just one shot and that thing was tko huh oh yeah absolutely yeah if you hit a wolf right uh with a two two three yeah you'll dump them like on my alberta wolf hunts i, I tell guys i mean bring a bring a 270 bring a 308 bring a 300 and just like shoot a shoot a heavier bullet and i mean you'll put a two inch hole at the back side of that wolf but it doesn't matter if you're shooting them up the hind end or shooting them in the front end or whatever the bullet's gonna go all the way through and you're gonna yeah, kill yeah. that wolf because pound for pound like you know shooting coyotes there yep it'd be tough now you, when, when we were visiting out there at the salt lake show I, I asked you, I said, do you, I asked you about shotguns doing that, right? Because that's like the that's like the gun of choice if you're doing that for coyotes, at least in my opinion, right? So yeah. you told me a funny little, you said you tried that at one point, <laughs> but you realized a guy swinging a shotgun right behind your head probably wasn't the, the, well, the best I, choice of a weapon. Yeah, I figured I'd, I wanted to keep my head for a few more years, so I, I didn't, <laughs> I decided to, to, go, to go away from that route, but I, I'd used the wrong shotgun too. So I, I bought a little um, pistol grip, uh, short barreled shotgun and it worked like it would work awesome. It's so short. It's so easy to point, but these guys are riding the snowmobile behind me and they've got, they're, they're wearing big gloves. And so their, their gloved finger is in the, is in the trigger guard on the trigger with the safety <laughs> off and we're bouncing across the tundra and he's swinging the shotgun from side to side, depending on which side the wolf is at. And I felt it brush the backside of my head with a loaded shotgun. I thought, boy. I ain't doing this anymore. <laughs> and I sold the shotgun. <laughs> when, when you get up on those, so when you get up on a coyote, a lot of times they'll, they'll make a quick U-turn. I've seen them do that quite a bit. Oh yeah. You know, does the wolf, will the wolf do the same thing or does he just try to beat you a straight line or does he get oh, to no. cutting and doing they're, all kinds of crazy stuff? They don't dart quite as bad as a, as a coyote does, but oh yeah, they're, they're going to try and cut back and, and circle behind you all the time. Yeah and you tap them a little bit with a ski and teach them a little bit of respect and then they're a little bit better <laughs> but but uh yeah no they'll they'll circle behind you if, if they can and and you get the odd wolf just like just like coyotes do but you get the odd wolf who's bound and determined to not listen to the snowmobile and he doesn't care what you do he's going in a straight line to the rocks to get away and you can't turn him you can't do nothing unless you kill him What's yeah. I, I'm guessing there's been sometimes have you, like you said, some of those wolves that go for the rocks, have you ever had a crazy like Hail Mary shot where you're like, he's making it, we got to take him now, you know, and you haven't quite got to him yet. Yeah. Somebody bails off and rolls the thing at like two, 300 yards kind of a shot or yeah. is that not ever yeah. happened? Oh yeah. I got a good story. So Blaine Jackson, uh, an absolute nutcase. I mean, he, he's awesome. He's, he's a really good friend of mine. And he lives and breathes oxygen for the sole purpose of killing wolves. <laughs> like he, he loves shooting wolves. And so he's, he's come up with me multiple times a year for quite a few years now. And I don't know how many wolves he's killed with me, but it's a bunch. And so the first time, the first time he comes in this Arctic wolf hunt, uh, we're chasing a wolf. We ran into a big pack. I think it was a pack of, uh, I think a pack of nine. And the snow was real rough and windswept that year. And, and so we, we had a hard time keeping up to the wolves because it was so rough. And, uh, and he was shooting a, uh, a custom, oh, I don't know. I don't know what it was. But it was a bolt-action rifle of, of his choice. And, and 
if, if you know Blaine, I mean, he's a, he's an elk outfitter in Idaho and Nevada and he's got sheep hunters and all that stuff down there. A very competent rifle shot. And he prided himself in being a, in a good shot. And he is. And I hope he doesn't hear this because it'll, it'll <laughs> might embarrass him a little bit, but, but he, uh, we roll up on this wolf and he, he empties the mag on it and doesn't touch hair. And the, and we lose that wolf in the rocks. And he looks back at me and he's, he's embarrassed and a little flustered and just vibrating, shaking. He's so excited. And, uh, and we give chase and we catch up to another wolf and, uh, he dumps another mag with his bolt action. So he's only got three or four rounds. Yeah, in it. Yeah. Doesn't touch hair. <laughs> I'm thinking, Oh boy, this went from really good. We could yeah. be taken out to, I hope we get one type of thing. And, uh, and so I, and I, I, I mean, a wolf pack like that, they just scatter when they get chased and they all go in different directions. And so you got to be, you got to kind of remember, okay, a wolf's going that way. A wolf's going that way. A wolf's going that way. I'm going to chase this one. If that one doesn't work out, we're going to go after that one. And, uh, and so I, I ride up on this little hill to gain a little bit of elevation because I'm, we're kind of on the shore of this shore of this big lake. And I see one and he's making a beeline, uh, to the other side of the lake and trying to get away in the rocks. And I knew I couldn't catch him on the far side. And I said, Blaine, this is going to get really Western, really fast. So all I need you to do is hang on. And uh, all you need to do is stay on the snowmobile. <laughs> and and we, and we were probably in the air more than we were on the snow chasing <laughs> that wolf. <laughs> and we, we kind of catch up or semi catch up to this wolf as he's going up in the rocks and he's just about to crest the hill going over the other side and whatever usually i don't shoot over top of the hill but there's in that country there's nobody out yeah, there right? yeah and uh and so he bails off the snowmobile drops to a knee and this wolf is running flat out i'm thinking he missed all these other ones there's absolutely <laughs> no way that this wolf is dying and he absolutely drilled that wolf stone dead at i don't know how far but on a dead run at a 45 degree angle that was a sight to see. That was one of the best <laughs> shots I ever seen. It was awesome. He totally <laughs> redeemed himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then we went back and killed another one. So that yeah, was real good. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Do, do many guys get a running, uh, you know, when, the, when they're sitting on the baits earlier in the season, you know, not the Arctic stuff, but, you know, multiple wolves come in. Do a lot of guys, do you tell them not to take run? Like if the wolves start scattering, do you basically say, Hey, start cracking? Cause, or do you say, yeah. nah, if you can, if you don't think you don't be just shooting to shoot or what's, no, I, what's the I mentality don't. there normally? Uh, there's a, there's a saying that goes, uh, lead don't fly, stuff don't die. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's always hope and there's lead in the air. So you're always flinging lead. And if, if you, if there's a shot that you think you can make, I mean, take the shot. I'm, I mean, I've got enough baits out that uh, I'd rather be flinging lead than saying, oh man, I wish I'd have shot at that wolf. Yeah, so yeah. especially if the guys, especially if the guys shot, made one shot already and there's other wolves in the area. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Keep shooting. Anybody, we got time for one last running wolf story. Anybody ever had like a crazy running shot on a, on a wolf on yeah. like a double or something like that? Um. But you're probably not in the stand with a lot of those guys, are you? I'm, I'm I mean, you're mostly listening with... to probably their stories when they get back. Yeah, most of them I'm listening when I'm when I get back. But I had I had the one guy, uh, his name is Jesper Yule, and he was a Danish guy, and he was a 
a, he used to, he was an ex sniper for the, uh, for the Danish military. And he brought some fancy blazer rifle and, uh, and it came in just this tiny little case and he put it all together, slapped the scope on there. And I said, you want to, you want to shoot that gun? He said, no, no, it's, it's spot on. I said, are you sure? I, I, just, I mean, I just watched you put the scope on and put the gun together. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's spot on. So well, all right, whatever. And uh, and he sat for four days or five days. No, yeah, five days. Hadn't seen a wolf yet. So it was his last day. And I said, well, shocks yes, but my luck of sitting in a wolf blind and seeing wolves is ridiculously good. I said, for whatever reason, it is just pure luck. Um, I'll come sit with you for a day. <laughs> And we crawl in this blind, and sure enough, we're not in that blind for 20 minutes. And a wolf shows up, and it was it was early in the season, uh, so we didn't have a whole lot of snow, and we're kind of in this uh, swampy sloughgrass area, and so the wolf was pretty camouflaged in this in this grass, and uh, and he couldn't see it. And I tried explaining to him where it was, and it was still kind of semi dark. It was just early on in the day, and. Uh, and I tried to explain it to him, tried to explain it to him, and it was right there, and he couldn't see it. And finally, this wolf senses something's wrong, and so it takes off and is running. And uh, and then he goes, "Oh, there it is." And I'm thinking, "Yeah, there <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, there, there it was. was. <laughs> yeah, it, this ain't happening." And he stuffs that gun out that window and dumped that wolf like it was nothing. It was probably 350 yards by the time oh, he geez. by the time he got on it. Oh yeah, and just drilled it. Oh yeah, I got it. And uh, so that was that was pretty cool. And I don't know if I've I've seen uh, I don't know if I've seen like a double. I had a shoot. I'll tell you a bad story. I had a I had a I had a guy, also a good guy, um, but he he wasn't really a hunter. Uh, I mean, he was a farmer, but he didn't he didn't practice with his guns hardly at all. And um, I'm running these these uh tacticam reveal cell cameras on these wolf baits and and i don't have cell service on on nearly all the baits but on the ones that do i run these cameras and uh we'd planned to go to this bait anyway and we're getting close and we're we're running late and so it's it's already getting on daylight and uh and, and my phone pings and there's a pack of wolves on this bait like whoa that's awesome but it's a really bad bait to try and sneak into um it was it was fairly open uh, from the direction we'd have to come from, um, because of the wind direction, and I said, what the heck, let's do it anyway. And so we walked through the snow and it's kind of knee deep, just, just past the knee deep snow. And we walked a half mile, um, to get into a good position and, uh, and popped over the hill and these wolves are already coming our way and they're perfectly in a line and their wolf trail comes right by us where we're <laughs> quite where we are. And so I know they're coming like on a string right to us. They have no idea we're there. The wind is right. Everything's perfect. I don't have a gun. Oh, just, okay. just my guy has a gun and I'm, I'm already thinking, Oh no, Oh no, I need a gun. I need a rifle, but whatever. I mean, this guy's going to clean house right here. We wait till those wolves get within, I don't know. They're, they're close. And uh, I told them, just wait, just wait, just wait, just wait, because I wanted those wolves in our yeah. lap. Hold, <laughs> hold, hold. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And uh, and so he starts shooting, and they're I don't know seventy five yards. He pulled the trigger nine times on wolves that were standing, 
each every time I'd I'd let out a howl, at least one of those nine wolves in that line would stop and look at us because they had no idea what was going on there. There shouldn't be any humans in this yeah, area, yeah. and they hadn't been shot at before. <laughs> I ah. Uh... <laughs> But it happens. It happens. Like, uh, I mean, he was he was so amped up, so fired up. I mean, just shaking, vibrating. I mean, he's obviously excited he killed one wolf. And I'm burying my head in my hands thinking, we could have killed nine. <laughs> no, we could have killed nine wolves. <laughs> yeah, when I when I lay my head down on the pillow at night and dream about shooting, that's like the the like the scenario right there that you dream about, right? Like, Oh, absolutely. Like was, I can just start just whacking running wolves. Stand, it doesn't matter. We're, <laughs> we're just, we're having to go get the truck. Cause there's dead wolves laying everywhere. If, if there had been like you and I there with a couple of ARs, <laughs> Oh, we, we just stacked them up 40. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> it's a good time. It's a good time. Yeah. 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 How was your How was your season, by the way? How many How many coyotes did you kill last year? Uh, three hundred and eighty nine. So that was three hundred and eighty nine. Hey, that's yeah, it. That, Are you slacking? That was a record for me, you know. For <laughs> you know, for and I, you know, I I say that. I mean, that's that's me on stand with clients and guys from schools and filming and whatever we were doing. You know, I didn't I didn't personally pull the trigger on all those, but I was on the stand on all of them. You know, kind of a deal, calling them in that's, for guys or whatever. Jeff, you know? So I count them. I, it's like your wolf total, Jeff, right? That's yeah, that's crazy. That's you. You're killing more than a wolf a day for an entire year. That's insane. Yeah, it's it's uh it's or fun, man. I'm looking forward. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to this year. It's gonna be. Hopefully, it'll be just as good. We've had record amount of rains, and it might be tough early. The grass is gonna be pretty tall, vegetation okay. and stuff. But no, it's getting close, man. When it's do you start? Close. I don't usually start till October. You know, oh, just okay. you know, yeah. I have a lawn care business, so. Uh, you know, I'm busy doing that till then anyway. And then, right. Oh, uh, you know, and our coyotes like yours are, I was always, they've always been worth some money, you know? So I hate yeah. to shoot them too early and, you know, just, you know, but yeah. So right. October, man, October through about the, maybe the first week of March. And, you know, by that point, I'm kind of probably like you, I'd love to do it, but that there comes a point, right. When you're like, all right, it, I've got my fill yeah. out of this. Let's let's move on to something else. And then like now, you know, you start anticipating that again, right? It's like, I love, yeah. I love the anticipation part of it, you know? Oh, so do I. And it's, it's interesting. Like at, by the time my wolf season ends, I don't want to touch another wolf. I don't want to yeah. skin another wolf. I'm done. <laughs> but, but it like, it, it, it happens crazy quick. Like by three or four weeks after the end of my wolf season, like, boy, that was a lot of fun. I'd like to kill another wolf here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah i hear you i hear you i it's it's what are them, i don't know what the are predators them, what, is something different man yeah absolutely it is what are them coyotes worth down there right now it, it was it was not good this year it was like um to be honest with you i didn't hardly sell any at all uh i had some coyotes at the big fur auction up in canada still left over from the, the previous season that didn't even sell oh, okay you know so uh, the the fur buyers around here were paying maybe five bucks on the carcass and i was like man i ain't driving you know so no. a lot of our coyotes went in canyons and creek bottoms <laughs> and stuff like that last year just just the way it was you know but i didn't have yeah. freezer space to sit on a whole bunch of coyotes so i figured there'll yeah. be plenty more to shoot this year you know yeah absolutely and it's the same with our coyotes like they're they're hardly worth skinning i 
I threw out a whole bunch because I number one didn't have the time to skin them, and number two, uh, it's, it's it wasn't worth it wasn't worth it. Yeah. But wolf wolf prices are coming back a little bit, and uh, more so for for taxidermy. Like if if I skin a wolf for taxidermy, he's got good hair and he's got some good size to him and a nice color. Uh, they're selling for a decent amount of money. Like uh, I'm getting between five hundred and a thousand dollars for a thousand dollars for a real good one. Wow. Yeah. That's similar to the coyote world too. I had talked to some guys that were putting up their own coyotes, sending them in to get tanned. And then they were jumping on the internet and selling these tanned coyote pelts for a hundred, 150 bucks to who knows who, you know, that somebody oh, yeah. want. So I was like, well, yeah, you know, if you got the, you know, the, the front end money to sit on a bunch of coyote pelts and, you know, tan ones and things like that, you know, if you got the, the avenue to sell them, but that's, that's the only guys I talked to that made, made any money on coyote pelts yeah. you know very similar to the yeah. wolf deal there's a young fella up here in alberta his name's ted varley and uh an old teddy well he's a young guy he's uh well he's probably 26 20 or probably 27 now um but a number of years ago when coyote prices were still good uh i think he i think he caught he snared and shot 1300 coyotes that winter which to wow. my knowledge to my knowledge is a record uh, in alberta at least anyway and uh he made like one hundred and thirty to one hundred and forty thousand dollars that winter, and and uh, bought a bunch of cattle and farm equipment, and and started a farm. So wow, uh, yeah, that's crazy. The good, old, the good old days. Man, he was putting in the hours, man, to kill that many in the winter. <clears throat> I mean, oh, it's it's you figure that out in about a three month trapping season, you know, or whatever shooting season, four months yeah. tops. I mean, that's yeah, that's yeah. I need a couple. I mean, he had a couple guys. A couple guys are working with him, but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, it didn't take him very long to skin a coyote. <laughs> <laughs> heck yeah well yeah. we'll hope i i'd heard raccoon prices are actually might be more than coyote prices this year so <laughs> might have to go oh. call raccoons more than i do coyotes who knows <laughs> that's pretty sad when raccoon prices are better than coyote yeah prices. no kidding right <laughs> oh well oh well um well yeah, buddy, i'm, so I'm gonna you... let you i'm gonna let you get going bud i know uh i told you we'd only try to take them an hour i know you got a lot of stuff to get prepped here before they evac the the town and you got some some hunts coming up but want to thank you for jumping on man it's always it's always fun as hell listening to your stories <laughs> yeah absolutely thanks What's for that? having me on and uh always yeah. a blast visiting tell me you. tell me again where uh if everybody wants to jump on and and uh you know find out about your operations and stuff like that what's the what's the best way uh i've got a website well my adventure northwest website is still down but uh you can go to www.wingmasteroutfitting.com uh, there's some information on my wolf hunts there. You can find me on social media, uh, Instagram mainly. Uh, it's just at Kyler Knelson. Uh, that's K-Y-L-E-R and then Knelson, K-N-E-L-S-E-N. And uh, that's about it. Nice. I love the Instagram stuff because you're not, you know, there are guys out there that are a little shy to put that wolf content out there just because you get hammered by the right by the antis. But man, uh, yeah. that keeps me going, man, seeing that, seeing that yeah. wolf content you know oh absolutely Hell, i just Instagram. love seeing your trail cam pictures of these damn wolves sitting on the bait you know <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> uh, yeah good deal well i really appreciate it man i'll uh i'll look forward to catching up later this uh this fall and winter and hearing some more stories and following you on instagram to see how the the killer the killing's going and one of these years i'll make it up there with you you we'll know where some, to find me we'll get some wolf shooting in you know but uh before I let you go, I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, you know, badass guests like Kyler making this the number one predator hunting podcast out there. Listeners like you making this the number one podcast out there. So I want to thank everybody for for making uh, Predator Pros what it is. 
Um, but also I want to thank the sponsors that make this possible, which is Lucky Duck Predator Calls, Hornady, Sig Optics, Juniper Mountain Coffee, Onyx Hunt, Swagger Bipods, Cryptech, and Silencer Central. And of course, the whole Eastman's family for putting this all together for you guys. You can go over to their website, which is Eastman's.com, to check out their whole family of podcasts that they have now, uh, putting together quite the collection. So check that out when you have a minute. But uh, until next time, I want to thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you right here on the Eastman's Predator Pros podcast.